Jesus did. Seems to hide a crime, and I try to have faith. Sometimes the weight drives me out of my mind. So, brother to brother, I come to you with this one request Is there room for another? My heart is so heavy, and I just can't go on. Pray me home, pray me home. I need you to help me. Don't think I can make it alone. Good morning. Good morning, everyone. Okay, let's try this. Merry Christmas. <laughs> Is that a little better? <laughs> we're glad you guys made it in. We were worried yesterday. We thought, gosh, what should we do? Should we cancel? Should we go? And we said, Lord, give us, give us a sign. Tell us what you want us to do. And he did. He melted it off the streets. And we said, we're a go. So we're glad you guys are here this morning. So let's begin together. Why don't we stand and we'll begin worshiping.
yes you are. So good, so good. Yes you are, yes you are, yes you are. through the snow. We're glad you're here. Greet people. Make sure they feel welcome this morning. Online, we are glad you are here too. Nice and toasty and warm at home. Glad you guys are here.
It is good to be together this morning, isn't it? Praise the Lord. You may be seated. And as you came in this morning, you should have picked up a program that has all kinds of wonderful things in there that you can take advantage of and come be a part. And in that program, there's a connection card. I would love for you to take just a moment and put your name and your email address on there. If you're a regular attender, if there's any of your information that has changed or that you would like to be updated in our, in our directory, put that on there. If there's a prayer request on the back that, uh, section there that we can be uh, praying for you, please write that down and we will be sure and be praying about that. And if this is your first time, um, we welcome you. We're so glad you came to, uh, to worship with us here at WLC. Just take a few minutes and just fill that card out. And uh, when our ushers come by with the offering plate, you can put that card in the offering plate. Or there's a slot out there in the uh, foyer that you can place that card in. But thank you so much for doing that for us. And we are so glad that you're here. Speaking of prayer, this coming Wednesday evening, 6.30, you are invited to come here to the church and pray. It'll be our final prayer time for the summer. We're going to take a break and then start that back up in the fall. But we would love for you to come and pray with us at 6.30 this Wednesday evening. Also, next Sunday, our children are going to be in the service. We're doing this the fifth Sunday of the month. So our children are going to be here worshiping with us. We're very excited about that. And there will be some tables set up in the back for the kids and their families uh, with some activities on there. So we hope that uh, you'll come out and uh, we'll family worship. And today, if you do have kids here in the service, we have a wonderful children's program with Miss Tracy back in the back. You can go back there with your kids, sign them in, and I know they'll have a wonderful time learning the Word of God there with other kids. I want to read to you from Psalm 67. It says, may, the Lord, may God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face shine upon us, that your ways may be known on earth, your salvation among all nations. May the peoples praise you, O God. May all the peoples praise you. May the nations be glad and sing for joy, for you rule the peoples justly and guide the nations of the earth. May the peoples praise you, O God. May all the peoples praise you. Then the land will yield its harvest. And God, our God, our God, will bless you. God will bless all of us. And all the ends of the earth will fear him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our ushers are now going to come and wait on us for our morning tithes and offerings. If you have those cards, go ahead and put those in there. And we thank you so much for your faithfulness in giving.
impossible. Lord Jesus, we thank you for being here this morning, and we thank you for what you're going to do. You've already been working. You've got us here. And Lord, we are grateful for your presence. So we invite your Holy Spirit in more and more. Come into this place, Jesus. Calm our spirits down from the stressful week. Let us set all of that aside and just focus on who you are and how good you are and how much you care for our circumstances and how much you love us. Lord, we need you, and we want you in the middle of this this morning. So we give the rest of this to you this morning, Jesus. Do what you want with it. Holy Spirit, feel free to move here. We're your people, and we want you to come in and take over. God's people said, amen. falls it won't prevail cause the God I serve knows only how to triumph and my God will never fail oh my God will never fail I'm gonna see a victory I'm gonna see a victory for the
you're not in a battle, you're going to be in one at some point. So claim it. Jesus is there. He's already the victor, right? Amen. Amen. Every time I tried to make it on my own Every time I tried to stand and start to fall And all those lonely roads that I have traveled on There was Jesus When the life I built came crashing to the ground When the friends I had were nowhere to be I couldn't see it then, but I can see it now. And there was Jesus. In the waiting, in the search, in the healing and the hurt, like a blessing buried in the broken pieces. Every minute, every moment of where I've been,
your presence is where we find our peace and our rest and our answers. And Lord, we're grateful that you allow us to come to you without a mediator or without someone that has to come in and interpret. You already know our heart. You already know what's going on. You know the struggles and you know the outcome. I'm so grateful for that, Lord. As we sit in your presence and we wait for those answers, Lord, I pray we will chase you. And if we're tired and if we're weak or if we don't know what to do or if it's our first time chasing you, Lord, I know you'll lead us and guide us. Thank you for your word. Thank you for Pastor Joel as he's getting ready to come and give us a message from your word. It's precious to us, Lord. It is the water that we need for our souls. So would you anoint him? Guard this platform as he walks up and opens your sword. And I pray, Jesus, it will penetrate our hearts and our minds and that we'll be able to walk into this week and use it. We love you, Lord. And all God's people said, amen. how you know they don't want you here, they don't turn your microphone on. <laughs> it's great to be with you this morning. Um, I just want to say, don't you appreciate the worship team and what they do? Yes. We spoke very briefly about what my theme was. I had the message laid out a few weeks ago, and throughout the last couple weeks, it's went through a few revisions and so on, and as I came back from this last week of everything, um, I said, God, are you sure that's what you want me to preach? God said it was true then. It is true now. And so many of you are wondering, uh, last week uh, you guys prayed for Golden Bell Camp and what was taking place there. And here's our official statement is there's much to be done in the days ahead. We sent this statement out uh, Friday evening to our pastors and our churches. Friends, I am with the sad news that the jury verdict has not come back in our favor. We have lost the case. That is only the concrete details we can give you or share with you at this point as there's still many details to go through as we work Continuously, we ask for your prayer and protection and blessing upon the camp in the Colorado district. We know you've been doing that. We thank you for that. And we know that God is going to work through everything that has taken place and everything that is taking place. And so we know that we have a faithful God. We recognize that. Just a few weeks ago, we were in a staff meeting, and as we met as a staff, Many regulations have been brought forth from the federal rules all the way to the state that have um, brought several implications of um, things upon the camp to the point we've had to actually add additional year-round full-time staff um, that we weren't planning on uh, to help comply with those issues um, as well as uh, the amount that 
for some of the regulations and what it's actually causing us to do, it's actually causing us to have to spend quite a bit more money to be in compliance with those things. And as we went through that and our staff worked an additional 100 to 200 hours in just the short period of a week to try to comply with all these regulations on a very quickly, on a quick basis, um, at our staff meeting, before that, I just, I've been reading through the scripture and where Abraham, and we're going to talk briefly about this this morning, but where in Abraham uh, takes, God, or takes Isaac up to be sacrificed and there's a ram that's provided. He names that place and he says the place where God will provide. And that had been something I just read a few weeks before that and God just kept bringing that up as we were going through all of this. And then I began to think, you know, Satan is a very good person, or good, he, he knows how to twist and turn and how to bring deception and how to distract us in our Christian faith and in our ministry from what God wants us to do. And so we doubled down as a staff. And we said, not only are we going to reaffirm the calling and the mission of Golden Bell, but we're also going to take even a more... Um, a more active approach in praying over every bed, every door, every building. That when people come on that place, the presence of God is so real, they'll sense Him and know Him even if they don't know who He is. And so we covet your prayers as we continue on and we deal with these several other things that are happening, but we believe that God put together golden bells so that men and women, boys and girls, could come to a place set apart, have a mountaintop experience, and experience God in a new way. And we claim that and we believe that. So we continue to focus, we continue to reach towards the goal that God has called us to, and we will continue in that direction. That's kind of the update from Golden Bell right now. It's um, one of the things I want to propose, and I think it was in your bulletins maybe. Um, we actually are looking for some staff uh, that as we have had a, um, a reduction in summer staff, this is kind of the trend across all camps right now. And so we're looking for additional just part-time staff that would work, want to work a four-hour shift, um, very flexible, whatever hours, kind of whenever you want to do it kind of a thing. So if you're looking for a little extra spending money, come and see me or contact my office. We'll get you lined up with some kind of a job. I promise, no, I better not promise. I was going to say, I promise you won't have to do toilets, but if Larry comes, I'm going to put him on toilet duty. So <laughs> our facility director was actually a director, real quick side note, our facility director was um, my uh, janitor at Fort Morgan when I was at the church there. And I told him, come on down, it, it'll be great. And he said, it, after being here a little while, he said, I went from cleaning 10 toilets to cleaning, I think there's 61 toilets on camp. And he said, this was not an upgrade. This was not an upgrade. <laughs> so, so. Well, this morning I want to talk to you briefly in, about this man named Jesus, or the Lamb of God as we look at him throughout Scripture. But I want to take you back so that we all can remember or think back on our time in our lives of that moment of salvation. We, 
I remember when I was six years old, and at six years old, it was in the parsonage of the church in the front room on lime green carpet where I received Christ as my Savior. Shag lime green carpet. Orange walls. Do you remember that time frame? You know? And I remember it, and, and, and at that time, I was only six, but I remember at the age of six, when I said, God, forgive me of my sins, Come into my life. I remember that moment. If you've accepted Christ, you remember that moment in your life too. You remember that defining moment when Jesus came into your life and forgave you of your sins. And see, the beauty of what Jesus does in your life and in my life is it doesn't matter how grievous it was and it doesn't matter how minimum it was. At that moment in time, the cleansing of Jesus Christ is the same. And the purity of the heart is the same. And the work that was done on the cross cleanses the soul. So I want to talk to us a little bit about this, both from the Old Testament and the New Testament. And what I want to attempt to do this morning is if you don't know Jesus as your Savior, I wanted to help you understand the significance of what He did. And if you do know Jesus as your Savior, and you've known Him for a long time, or you've grown up in the church, or you've been in the church for a long time, I want to help revitalize your relationship with Him in a new and in a fresh way. So we're going to be reading from two passages this morning. One is in Genesis chapter 22, 9-12, and then in John 1. And let me give you some backstory to Genesis 22. In Genesis 22, we find that Abraham is going up to the mountain and he's going to sacrifice his son. And we're going to read about that moment of him getting ready to sacrifice his son in just, in just one second. But there's this backstory. And if you're not familiar with it, what it is is God tells Abraham that he's going to create, uh, he's going to have him have a son, and this son is going to be. Um, one that he will be a great nation. That, and, and out of Abraham, a great nation will come, right? And, and, and there was a problem for Abraham and Sarah at that point in time. They were a little advanced in age. 80 or 90, give or take. And, and, and they didn't really see how God was going to do that. So I don't know about you, but when God gives us some impossible task or something to do how many times do we say i know god you said that but i'm going to figure out how to do this right have you ever done that i know i'm the only one so abraham and sarah decide they know better than god and that this child there's no way sarah's going to have a child so this child's not going to come through sarah but it's going to come through her handmaiden well we know the story there what a disaster what a disaster God comes to him and says, what are you doing? I told you I was going to bring a son through Sarah. Well, she's kind of old, God. Kind of impossible. But aren't you, good? aren't you glad God is God? We are not. So in that moment in time, God, uh, Sarah conceives and they have their son. Now, a little time has passed. He's grown up a little bit. 
And now God comes back to Abraham and he tells Abraham, he says, now Abraham, I want you to take Isaac to the mountain and to prove that you trust me, to prove that you fear me, to prove that you love me. You can put whatever in there you want. He says, I want you to take this son that I promised a great nation out of, and I want you to take him and what? Kill him. Sacrifice him before me. Well, I don't know about you, but I would have had another plan. But Abraham decides he's going to take him up the mountain. And up the mountain, Isaac starts catching on. There's firewood. There's a knife. But there is no sacrifice. And he asks his dad, what are we going to sacrifice? And what's his dad say? God will provide a sacrifice. So he gets to the top of the mountain and There they set up the altar, and that's where we pick up in Genesis chapter 22. When they arrived at the place where God had told them to go, Abraham builds an altar, arranges the wood. Then he ties his son Isaac and lays him on the altar on top of the wood. And Abraham picks up the knife to kill his son as a sacrifice. And at that moment, an angel of the Lord calls out from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, yes, Abraham replies. Here I am. Do not lay a hand on the boy. And the angel said, Do not hurt him in any way, for now I know that you truly fear God. You have not withheld even your son, your only son. And then we skip all the way to the New Testament into John chapter 29, and in John chapter 29, there's this character that arrives in the Bible. Do you remember his name? John the Baptist. Remember him? A lot of locusts and a lot of honey. That's all I think of when I think of him. And he's preaching to the crowd, and he's telling them all these things, and he sees Jesus coming, and what does he say? He says, see the Lamb of God who takes away the sins Father, we thank you for your word and we thank you for the relevance and for the truth and for what it is to us in our own lives. Take your word, Lord. Open our ears to hear. Help our hearts to respond to your leading this morning. Get Joel out of the way, Father, that you can speak truth. In your name we pray. Now, for a moment, you might think I'm taking us on a wild goose chase, but I promise I'm going to do my very best to bring us back to the center here. In this passage, you might think there are, these are very unrelated passages. They're very unrelated on what's happening here. And to some degree, you're right. But when we take into full context and the full Scripture, what we began to see is Abraham's story is a foreshadow of what is to come through Jesus Christ. And what we begin to see here is that we recognize that God has told Abraham he will be a father of a great nation. And guess who God is? He is a father to who? All. Then we see that the son of Abraham that was promised was his only son that God promised him. 
And what do we see Jesus? Is he is God's one and only son. Then we see that Abraham takes his son to be sacrificed, but God provides a ram for him to sacrifice rather than his own son. But what do we see with God? He sends his son. There was no ram provided. And he was sacrificed for all man. He was the Lamb of God. Abraham, in fear of God, in the fear of God and in obedience to God, does what he's told to do. And out of love for mankind, God sends his Son in response to our sin to bring wholeness to us. Now we've got a little bit of a premise here of what we're talking about. Now I want us to go back to the Old Testament, to the Levitical Law. Now, I'm not going to get into all of the Levitical Law with you, but and, and, and those of you that have studied that, I know I'm going to miss some stuff, but this is really just to give us a, a very broad context of what we're talking about this morning. You see, one of the things I'm doing in my devotional is I'm reading a book of the Bible a day. And when you read a book of the Bible a day, you start getting a fresh perspective on how the Bible actually looks. Because there's not all these segmented things. It kind of flows and you begin to see, wow, this is really cool to see it pull together. And what we find in the Levitical law is that there's all of these sacrifices and there's all of these things that have to take place there. Really, it's divided up into five main things. There's a burnt offering, there's a grain offering, there's a peace offering, there's a sin offering, and there's an offering, trespassing offering. Now within those, there's categories, subcategories underneath that. And even to the point of the person that has to have the sacrifice or their offering done for them is even done differently for a priest or for a leader rather than it is for a common person that's coming to have the sacrifice done. And, and it has to be arranged a certain way. And certain parts of the animal have to be put a certain way. And certain things have to take place with the blood and where the animal is put and the leftovers and all of that. And it's all different for all of these subcategories. There are two of the subcat or there's two of the main categories that are mandated, and that is the sin offering and the trespassing offering. And within that, there's a sacrifice that has to be made. And that's everything from a person that is of wealth of a bull, which would be considered today our prized bull or the best thing we have, all the way to a dove, which would be for somebody that doesn't have any money. But within that, all these sacrifices take place so that the sins of the people can be covered by that blood. Along with the covering and along with that that takes place there. These could not be done by just any person. You and I at that time would not be allowed to go to the temple and make a sacrifice. We could offer our sacrifice and the priest would take it and do what was correct with it. Depending on the sacrifice, the high priest would then become part of that process and what was taking place. All of it was to take place that when you entered into the temple and you entered into the Holy of Holy where God's presence was or where the Ten Commandments were put in the ark and, and so on, if you've studied any of that, you, under, you, you, you get that picture. 
But there was no place any of us, we'll say, common folk, could do that. It had to be done through the priest. So what does that all mean? Where, where am I going with this? Why, why is it so important to us today? What I realize is in culture and in time, you can become jaded just as I can become jaded in recognizing that Jesus died on the cross for me, but not fully coming back to the significance of the sacrifice that took place. You, you see, it wasn't just the sacrifice of God's Son dying on a cross, which was amazing in itself. It's that at that moment in time when God's Son, the perfect, hear me, the perfect Lamb was slain. When we think of human kind and we think of what we have to offer God, everything we have has blemish on it a lot of times, right? And, and, and when we think of livestock, there's always some form of blemish. And that's why the sacrifice that took place there had to be done over and over and over and recovered because it wasn't perfect. But when God sent His Son, Jesus, to die on the cross for your sin and for my sin, it was perfect. Did you hear me? It was perfect. There would never have to be another sacrifice. There would no longer have to be blood shed because of what Jesus did on the cross. And in Hebrews, in Hebrews chapter 10, they, they, they kind of express that. And if you want to see the, what happens when Jesus died on the cross, it gives you the full part. We're only going to read the last part of it, which is Hebrews 10, 19 through 22. And it says, So, my dear brothers and sisters, we can boldly enter heaven's most holy place. Meaning he's talking about in the holies of holies where God's presence was, where only the high priest was allowed to go. Now the co common folk get to go there. And now, <laughs> we have opened a new life, giving new way in the curtain of the most holy place. And since we have a great high priest who rules over God's house, let us go right into the presence of God in sincere heart, fully trusting Him. For our guilty conscience Listen, this is the new law. This is the new covenant. Has been sprinkled with God's blood. Listen. And it doesn't cover us. It makes us clean. And our bodies have been washed with pure water. Do we understand what that means? I once did a sermon at my church. Is we had um, we had a revolving church, and what I meant by that is, so often the Baptist became a Methodist, became a Presbyterian, became a Nazarene, and then went back to the Baptist. And so our our congregation was very much versed like that. And uh, 
I did a message on the idea of cleansing versus covering. And you know the beauty of cleansing versus covering? When I am cleansed of something, it no longer exists within me. When I'm covered by it, it's still there. But I no longer can see it. And in the church of the Nazarene, we believe in the cleansing power of Jesus Christ. And what happens when we're cleansed, we no longer, just as this passage says, have to live in the sin or in anything that happened before Jesus Christ because it's no longer there. It's gone. And so, in all of that, you might still be saying, I still don't get the point. Let me help you with the point. You see, if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior this morning, the good news is this. You can know Him by confessing your sins, receiving His gift of salvation through His Son, Jesus Christ. And when you get up, or when you're done with the prayer of salvation, you are now cleansed and as pure and as clean as you can possibly be in the presence of God. And if you've received Christ, and you know Christ, then you know this. I can reaffirm that there's significant power I hold because of the cleansing and the power of the Holy Spirit that is within me. And the culture and everything around me doesn't have to affect my relationship with Jesus. You might be familiar with this passage, and I'll be honest, as the day and age we live in, and the culture issues we deal with, and how everything continues to push in on the church and camps and ministries, one of the things I keep coming back to is Timothy chapter 3, verse 1 through 5. Maybe you remember it, I'm going to remind you this morning. But mark this, there will be terrible days in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiveness, slanders, without self-control, brutal, not loving of good. Shall I go on? Harsh conceit, lovers of pleasures rather than lovers of God. And this is the part that kills me so often as I talk to people. Having a form of godliness, but denying the power. My hope is this morning we recognize because it's just not a salvation in Jesus Christ, but we recognize from history and context of Scripture that this was the perfect sacrifice. And because of the perfect sacrifice, you and I are new. And in that newness, we no longer live under the old life we used to live. We don't have to conform to the patterns of the world. We don't have to conform to the things that people say or do. We can be with the Holy Spirit in sweet communion. 
And you see, in culture, I think that's where we get screwed up, to be honest with you. It was Alice Trebek that I just saw a small clip he put out. And he's talking about that, that moment when there are three men hanging on a cross. And, and you remember, the one is spitting and telling Jesus how bad he is and all of that stuff. And the, the other one on the other side says um, what he says in, sorry, my throat here, in, and, and Jesus responds to him and He says, but today, you will be with Me in paradise. He says, can you imagine that? Moments later, the man dies and he gets to the pearly gates and the guard's at the pearly gates and he says, how did you get here? I don't know. I was hanging on a cross and now I'm here. I don't know. He says, but he says, but did, what church did you attend? And he says, I, I didn't attend a church. He says, but how did you get here? He goes, I don't know. I'm going to have to get my supervisor. So he goes and he gets his supervisor and he comes back and he says, well, well how did you get here? Do you, do, you, do you know the article of scriptures? And do, do, you, know, um, do you know what the, the, the best way to dress that churches and do you know all of those things he says i don't know he says how did you get here he goes i don't know but the man on the middle cross said i could come you see if we're not careful church if we're not careful what happens is we allow culture and ideas and all the things of the world to croach in around you and I and we no longer focus on the purity and the holiness of who God is and that He did a work in my life and because He did a work in my life, He can do a work in anybody's life. As you know, the issues of today are tearing churches apart are you democrat or republican are you for this or that can i tell you it doesn't matter because none of that stuff is going to get you to heaven in fact let me go one step further without the work of the holy spirit in your life in the cleansing of his power in your life in the presence in your life all of that doesn't matter even for what you're doing because it should be out of that work, out of that cleansing, that our hearts become bent to helping and helping those people outside the walls of the church. You understand what I'm saying? We reverse that sometimes. If I'm a good person, if I do the right things, if I help the certain groups, if I do all of these things, that makes me a Christian. Listen, that is not salvific. What is salvific is only the blood of Jesus Christ that cleanses us from sin. One of the reasons I believe there's so much conflict, and i got to be careful because I'll start preaching. One of the reasons I believe there's so much conflict is we have forgotten the main point. And the main point is this. The Son of God came and died for the sins of the world. And everything else is secondary. But what's primary is the work of the cross. my hope for you this morning is this remember your relationship with Jesus 
Remember the moment in time when you knelt before Him or you sat in a chair or whoever that person was with you that led you in that place and said, God, I'm a sinner in need of a great Savior. And He came into your life and He cleansed you as clean as you possibly could be because of the sprinkling of God's blood. And if you haven't received Christ, I want to tell you, now's the best time to do it. This year, the last couple of years, has been some of the most strenuous times in leadership, no matter what you lead or where you're at. Between COVID and our, our, our shifting culture and the polarization that's happening everywhere, it's become difficult just to lead. I was just reading a report from Barnum and the number two thing that's driving pastors out of the ministry right now is the polarization in the church between the social justice groups and, and political parties and, and, and the church themselves and opposing political parties. Number two in the church driving pastors out. Do I dare tell you when we get back to the main point, the primary thing, it doesn't matter what political party or what social justice issue you take part in, what matters is that you believe that without Jesus, people are going to go to hell. And I would be lying to you if I wouldn't say that there have been times in the ministry and in these last couple of years that I haven't stepped back and said, I don't get it. I don't know if I have what it takes anymore. There's got to be somebody that can do it better. And I'm reminded of an old song that was written in 1922 by an old general superintendent's wife. rather have Jesus than silver or gold. I'd rather be His than have riches untold. I'd rather have Jesus than houses or land. I'd rather be led by His nail pierced hands than to be a king of a vast domain and be held in sin's dread sway. I'd rather have Jesus than anything this world affords today. I'd rather have Jesus than men's applause. I'd rather, I'd rather be faithful to His dear cause. I'd rather have Jesus than worldwide fame. I'd rather be true to His holy name. Church, that's what it's about. When our focus is on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, all other things become secondary. 
as the worship team comes forward. I just wonder this morning, are you weary in your faith? Have you questioned your call? Whether that's a call to ministry, whether it's a call to place you serve, whether it's a call to whatever that might look like, we all have a call of God in our lives. And in this season that none of us have lived through, we can become weary. Why are we doing what we're doing? Is it worth it? Am I making a difference? And I tell you this morning, it's a distraction from the cleansing power of Jesus Christ. As the worship team leads, if you feel that you just need a refreshing of the Holy Spirit in your life, and you just need to say, God, I'm sorry. I've got distracted. We'll meet you here. If you've never received Christ as your Savior, if you confess tonight, say, God, I'm a sinner. If you forgive me and come into my heart and cleanse me, He will do it. And we would love to pray with you if you want this morning.
would change. I pray that the fear inside would flee. In Jesus' name, I pray that a breakthrough would happen today. I pray Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for the perfect sacrifice of your Son, Jesus. And Father, today in this day and age, we live in the culture and everything pushes in and tries to get us to conform. But Father, you call us above that. So that I pray, Father, today that as we walk from this place, Your Spirit would go with us. Father, help us to bump into people where we get to share the good news of Jesus in a way that transforms their life because of the work that You did. Help us to not be timid, but help us to be bold. And so, Father, we pray Your blessing upon these, Your people. Those that aren't able to be here and those that are sick, Father, we pray that You would bring healing. Go with us from this place. That as we return next week, there's a new sense of excitement and anticipation of what we will experience together in this place. We love You, Father. We praise You, Father. And in the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. All of God's people pray. Amen. Thank you. We're dismissed. Let's play.